Does your vision for business match what you see happening on a daily basis? Welcome to Jim White's Circle of Success, where Jim White brings it all together. For over 30 years, Jim White has worked with organizations and individuals worldwide to help develop and implement excellence. You'll get the inside story on how to create innovative leaders from one corner of your company to the other. Get everyone on your team contributing to the bottom line. Keep building revenue even when the economy and your customers have flatlined. And more. Jim White's Circle of Success Radio covers it all, from communication to contract negotiation, from personal fulfillment to revving up cash flow. It's not about theories. It's about showing you what works and how to make it work for you. And now, here's your host, Jim White. Good morning, everyone. Uh, This is Jim White, and I'm your host, coming to you live from Carmel, California, on this beautiful Labor Day weekend, September the 3rd, 2011. For all of our U.S. listeners, I hope you're having a safe and uh, relaxing weekend, and for all international Listeners, uh, thank you for your continued support of the show. Uh, the show is uh, picking up a lot of momentum since we changed platforms, and I want to thank you for your support in this matter. We've got a fantastic show for you today. Um, we're going to discuss uh, that famous uh, 102 minutes, if you will, on September the 11th, 2001, that changed the world forever, and especially changed the United States forever. And as the world looked on in horror, if I could use that word, as these terrorists uh, flew hijacked passenger planes, believe it of all things, hijacked passenger planes, into New York City's uh, Twin Towers, as they were known, which destroyed this iconic building, and killed more than 2,700 of our citizens in the United States, which is actually put in perspective how horrible this, uh, this, this, this brutal attack was. Uh, numbers was even higher than uh, Pearl Harbor, if you will, in World War II. So it's a significant event. It's like I said, it's a life-changing event. And what I'd like to uh, to do today is to just frame that event. Uh, I am not the only talk talk show host that's been uh, addressing uh, the 9/11 issue, which is uh, coming up on the 10th anniversary next week, and we have a fantastic show for you uh, next Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, special guest uh, is, is Ted Lewis. Uh, Ted is uh, just a fantastic uh, individual. He's the director of the Center for Homeland Defense and Security, which is housed out of the Naval Postgraduate School here in Monterey and, and the Monterey Peninsula where I reside. Ted is also the uh, I mean, author of many books, uh, but one of his most recent books uh, called Box Sandpile. It's a phenomenal, uh, but a very cerebral read, if you will. So uh, Ted's going to be uh, my guest next Saturday. We're going to be discussing um, his agency, uh, the Center for the Homeland Defense and Security, 
was established in 2003, I believe it was, and if I'm wrong, Ted will certainly correct me next Saturday, uh, <clears throat> for the sole purpose of education, uh, bringing all of the first responders, emergency EMS, health, uh, together under one roof under Homeland Security for education so we can always learn how to be prepared and, more importantly, uh, the preventive nature of these uh, uh, terrorist attacks in Homeland Security. So I'm looking forward to that show, and please make sure that you mark your calendar so you can tune in for that. Now, you can participate uh, by calling in and enjoy, enjoy your call in if you, if you feel like you want to do that at 619-768-7290. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, like I said, if you want to take take your time, and I realize this is a Labor Day weekend, so uh, if you want to call in and share uh, your thoughts or anything uh, about where you were at that moment in time, on uh, 9-11-2001, uh, that would be, be great. Now, I do know that the... Uh, uh, Center for Homeland Defense and Security uh, has put together final preparations of a 10-year uh, review, uh, real people, uh, what is done in, in the History Channel. There's a lot of great, 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 great uh, information that's been shared uh, as we march to the 10th anniversary. Can we believe it? Now, in addition to just bringing awareness to that 102 minutes, and that's amazing, isn't it? 102, change your life. Your life can be changed instantly. I was talking to a client friend of mine yesterday. Uh, he was sharing with me he lost a friend uh, in, a, in a, I think it was a boating accident last week, and how that's impacted uh, him but his friends, and he made a comment that's really resonating with me and hanging with me even today, is life is short. Life is short, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we we have a responsibility to ourselves and our family, our uh, vendors, our employees, all of our shareholders uh, to do everything that we can to help that quality of life uh, be what you choose it to be. Now, our theme for the past several weeks, as you know, has been uh, construction matters, right? Construction matters to the economy. Now, what I want to do on today's show is to uh, continue to drill down on that subject matter. And what I want to do is to put it in perspective as best I can, just factual data, uh, tie in infrastructure development and how that relates to Homeland Security. Uh, the two go hand in hand. You've heard from uh, my guest on the show, and uh, uh, last week we we had Dan Himmick, uh, Dan's president of C.C. Myers, uh, on the show, and it was just a phenomenal show. Dan, uh, just great, great information and such passion for the subject matter, and we were talking about uh, gas tax, and we were talking about the need, uh, you know, to do that. And, and I can assure you, as I said last Saturday, we would get inundated with emails 
saying that Dan and I were advocating raising the taxes and so on and so on. And we did. <laughs> okay. And so you did not disappoint. Uh, we did We did get a lot of feedback. And I've responded to as many as I've been able to personally. Uh, but I just want to uh, uh, clarify, uh, Dan was just pointed out uh some reality and some facts. Uh, the fact of the matter uh, is that the uh, uh, gas tax has been indexed in the uh, 20 years. Uh, nobody likes to pay taxes, but that's where their primary uh, revenue comes from uh, to develop and support our infrastructure in the United States. So I'd encourage you, if you missed that message, go back and listen to the On Demand <laughs> and, and, and to make sure you're, you're hearing exactly what uh, Dan was saying. But I do want to uh, say again, thank you to Dan Hemmick for being my guest last Saturday. And like I said, I'm looking forward to Ted Lewis's uh, coming on the show next Saturday as well at 10 a.m. Now, what I want to do as you sat back, like I said, you... Uh, participating live, and we do know that we have a lot of our listeners around the world that uh, takes advantage of our own demand service as well. So we appreciate you doing that. Ever how you choose to do it, that's great, just as long as you're tuning in, right? Now, I am going to uh, lay a foundation uh, and continue talking about rebuilding America's economic foundation. Now, I'm going to be very careful with my words today. Uh, it's so important. But as I was preparing for this show, uh, as I was looking and, and reviewing everything that's been uh, aired, uh, both on television and cable and Internet and uh, radio, about the 9-11, and there's such uh, so many heroes of that day, and such a... Um, uh, such a subject matter, and like I said, we don't think we've seen change things of an event of that nature that's really impacted the United States in such a dramatic way. But, but like I said, it's, it's take a deeper look at where we are in this country. And I want to go back to 1956, just to, if I may, and President Eisenhower was the president that painted a compelling vision to the country and to Congress and the Senate about the need to develop a transportation, what we know is our interstate transportation system, right? Now, at the time that he was doing that, uh, we were what's known as in, right in the middle of the Cold War, right? So not only was his vision to develop this uh, uh, roadway system, but it was also to, um, in part, security, if, if you will, uh, defense and transportation. And so that's important to understand that. Now, America's economic foundation, as I stated, is, 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 is one of the most important Missions, missions go. We face in the 21st century. There is no doubt about it. Okay? Now, our parents, uh, majority of us are descendants 
from our grandparents or parents or uh, coming to the United States from other parts of the world. And at the early part of our founding of the United States, uh, our founding fathers, when they put together uh, this wonderful document, the Constitution, and Bill of Rights, uh, what insights that they had. And we're going to be doing a show, and uh, I'm not sure when it's going to come on the show calendar, but we're going to be uh, doing a series on the Constitution and that wonderful document that I, I, I think we as Americans and I think globally really can uh, uh, stand a refresher, uh, especially I, I think some of our elected officials need to uh, participate in this as well. But our parents and our grandparents built America as we know it today into the world's leading economic superpowers. There's no question about that. Okay. Now, we have, and you know me by now, uh, I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it again, I'm going to say what I said, right? But we have a responsibility to our own children and the grandchildren to strengthen, the word to strengthen, and not squander, not just uh, blow it off. That inheritance that we know as as America, if you will, okay, and we need to pass this on uh, to our grandchildren, and and to make sure, and to know, and to believe, as tough as it is, and we are in the worst economic. Uh, challenges that we've been in in years and the job numbers are out a little bit but not encouraging over 13 million Americans unemployed and at just present uh, economic recovery rate it's going to be best economist uh, said it's going to be 15 years to get back to pre uh, recession employment levels. Now, you've heard me and my guests say over the past weeks that one of the things that we can do do immediately is to uh, go ahead and when the Senate and Congress get back to work uh, next week, uh, go ahead and we we hope that the Senate is going to uh, address uh, the jobs bill, I mean, correction, the uh, infrastructure bill, and the jobs bill as well. Uh, there's current discussion going on by President Obama about uh, another stimulus. Uh, but whatever it is, uh, we, need to, we need to address it, and we certainly do not need to revisit uh, the gridlock and that absolutely horrible display of leadership that we experience on this final uh, debt ceiling vote. So we've got to knock that nonsense off. Now, whether we succeed in our mission, mission being what? Economic development is the most important thing in the 21st century. Rests largely, 
on whether we attempt, and, and like I said, I'm choosing my words very carefully, we attempt to build a 21st century economy, <clears throat> excuse me, on what I call the 20th century infrastructure. Now, if we attempt to do that, okay, well, there's some challenges that lies within that concept. Or act with the same visionary boldness, and that's and that's the whole thing, visionary boldness that led America to build the Erie Canal, uh, the transcontinental railway system, uh, the world's largest airports, and the interstate highway system. Now, are we going to choose to act with that boldness and that leadership? Okay? Now, once again, redundant. Why is infrastructure so important? Okay? Americans see the consequences of inadequate infrastructure every day. And Dan laid out some very sobering numbers last week as the amount of um, gasoline uh, consumed alone in California he was talking about. And we're going to get on some of those numbers later on in the program, again, just to reinforce uh, the amount of wasted productivity, if you will. Okay, so we see it every day. And when we uh, you're stuck in this traffic jam on your way to work, and when we get stuck at the airports because our flights are delayed, now that's another another area that we need to have a keen eye on as well, is this FFA, right? Now, we realize that all of our FAA systems are still operating, you know, what, 40, 50 years behind? Come on. Uh, so our, our systems... Of, of this massive uh, traffic in the air. If you can close your eyes and have this image of all these airplanes floating around out there, well, we, we you know, that's, that's, that's a huge, huge issue. Uh, so, so we have the delays at the airports, and then uh, the mass transit options are all too few or too expensive, right? And, and Dan said something last week, uh, that takes 16 years or so from beginning to the end on these projects, which we got to cut out. But once again, when we say we must address that to reduce that timeline in order to get projects completed, it's not saying that we're going to revert back to the 18th century where the environment does not count. Nobody is saying that, ladies and gentlemen. And I make a point of that because I get a lot of emails saying, well, you guys want to go back to that? No, we're not saying that. And if we're going to look at these things and all the issues, and the issues are what you choose, you choose to be that quality of life for you and your family. You choose. Now, I see this on a daily basis. I'm, I'm working on an account right now uh, that is uh, in play, and it's uh, it's it's been a, it's been a long term, uh, uh, been painful, uh, and and there's some decisions that in the process of being laid now and, and what happens is twenty twenty hindsight and uh and, and people uh, being uh, disconnected to reality. So and a lot of lot of our citizens are disconnected to reality and I say that and that's a strong word and I know I'm gonna get some emails on that as well. And what I mean by that 
if you choose to stay at home when it comes time to vote, then you're choosing to stay out of reality. If there's been any time in our history that we have a turnout, and I don't care what you're, you know, what party or what it is, I'm just saying that you need to go and 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 allow your voice to be heard. Um, we know that we're in for a challenge for the next few months because we're coming into 2012, the next uh, presidential election cycle. We're going to have gridlock. We're going to have uh, billions and billions of dollars spent on promoting an agenda for the person that's going to buy the office to the next president. I know that's a strong word, but that's exactly what's going on. And as a consequence, 13 million Americans are going to continue to be unemployed while we're out here stomping from country to country, just doing rhetoric and sound bites without any substance behind it to put people to work. Now, we've got to put people to work. We got to get people in the right job, right time, right place. And, and a lot of you listen to the show. You've heard me say that over and over and over. This is what we must do. We got to start thinking about the selfish, selfish uh, aspect of what's in it. You know, just strictly what's in view. We got to put people to work. And I'm speaking to the elected officials here. Get on with it. Get back, vote, and just put people to work. Okay. Now. As we continue to look at why is infrastructure so important, okay, when our electric grids fail, well, in Ted's book, uh, Box Sandpile, which he'll be discussing next week, there's a great, great section. You remember back in 2003 when we had the uh, power outages? Uh, so Ted's got a great chapter in there, and he'll he'll be talking more more about that. So we have. Our electrical grids failed, leads us in, in, in the darkness as it did. I was actually doing a workshop that day, and lights went out, and uh, we just kept going, right? Now, and when our ports, all of our ports are too small to handle uh, the modern cargo ships, and they are. majority of our ports are too small to handle the modern car- cargo ships. And when our bridges uh, must be closed, are torn down as a result of structural uh, structural deficiencies. Okay, shame on us. As individual cases, these deficiencies can be uh, daily annoyances, right? Together, they do form a national crisis. They do form and becomes a security uh, breach within our system. Okay? Now, the strength of every country's economy derives, every country's economy derives from the productivity of its human capital, period, human capital, and the natural resources. We have an abundance of both in the United States. We have an abundance of both. But what these great gifts produce is, has, has no meaning, I should say, unless they find their way to the marketplace. If they find their place to the marketplace, it means that we can put people to work, right? And that's, for the most part, every, every provider of a family, that's all they want to do is to be able to provide for their family. Now, there are certain cultures that that doesn't matter. And... Uh, 
I had a meeting with an, an, another client friend last week, and, 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 he, and he said something. We were talking about um, the economy and, and people and talking about different things and food chains. I mean, there's a lot of things, and we're going on, what, the 10th anniversary of what it is in Afghanistan and Iraq, and we are forcing our will. It's, I don't think the founding fathers ever suggested that we were to be the world policemen, okay, and where we're we're actually saying that we're going to put our uh, morals or values on another race. I mean, uh, we're all different, okay. So we just got to got to come to grips with that. And 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 I started to think for a moment is. As I was saying that, wow, man, that's 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 another series within itself, right? Now, as I said, human capital and natural resources we're not short of. Now, to get things to the marketplace, right, we got to have the infrastructure. That is what infrastructure does. Okay, that's what it does. It increases human mobility and facilitates that efficiency. That's what infrastructure does. It enables, okay, it enables a healthy economy to channel the flow of goods and services around the corner, around the street, around the block, or around the globe. Now, if this is done right, and that's the thing, if this is done right, infrastructure helps us open new markets to goods and services. And it drops the cost of transportation. It speeds delivery, bringing your products to the end users. It speeds delivery and lowers the prices to the consumer. That's what a good infrastructure policy does. That's what it does. And, and it also bring, provides capital and jobs flow to the most efficient markets. And the most efficient markets are dependent on modern, reliable, and high-tech infrastructure. Look at high-tech. We're talking about the FAA. Well, we're not high-tech in the FAA. We're talking about mass transit. Well, there are some, but we're far behind the curve on that as well. We've talked about in past shows that... 67% 67% of all the bridges in California alone are in disrepair. So this infrastructure, and that's the reason I started to show off about remembering that 102 minutes, 10 years later, 10 years later, uh, the towers are being rebuilt. We're in this economic downturn, and you know where it went sideways uh, from a leadership standpoint and how we ever got so gridlocked and allowed the elected officials become just this rhetoric between each other versus stepping back, taking the Constitution out, and kind of following along with what the Constitution says, and that's the meaning, and that's what the foundation of this country is all about. But we got we got to get back to that, right? we we, we, we got to get back on track with that now. The infrastructure past generations built for us. That's an infrastructure. We talked about that sort of 1956, and there's some other great stuff that I'm going to bring in uh, when, we co- when we come back from a, a, a break, break here a little bit. 
going to talk about the different major projects that came, that, that came that came into place. Okay, so what I'm going to do right now is to get a quick commercial in, and I want to thank all of our sponsors from last week. There was two that I left out, and we had such a good discussion going. And I just want to get uh, make sure that we got everything in today. So bear with me. We'll be back in 41 seconds. This segment is brought to you by TES Asset Management and Consulting Group, helping contractors, construction equipment dealers, and manufacturers of construction equipment develop the resources and talent to grow their bottom line, including asset management and all things dealing with running a business, from succession planning to project management, the secret of top companies and CEOs for years. Let TES Asset Management and Consulting Group build on your current success and grow your bottom line at tesamg.com. Okay, we're back. Thank you for hanging in there. Let's take this next segment, and I want to start off by saying, year after year, Washington kept getting three essential pieces wrong in my mind. First, it lost focus and strategic vision. Second, it stayed wedded, if you will, or tied to revenue sources that no longer meet our capital needs and to policy approaches that year after year locked us you know, into this in, in increasing uh, archaic priorities. And third, it failed to ensure that the federal dollars were directed to projects that would strengthen our economic competitiveness. Now, that reminds me of a show on this Piers Morgan Tonight. He interviewed uh, Mark Cuban, uh, the uh, Dallas Mavericks owners, uh, last week, I believe it was. And it was interesting and so refreshing uh, to listen to uh, Mark. And, and as we all know, Warren Buffett came out a few days ago and it said, hey, we need to pay more taxes. Well, I like, and Mark agreed with that. No hesitation. He said, absolutely. And he made no distinction between capital gains or regular income. Yeah, we need to pay it. And Mark went on to say, I have a significant issue with writing a check to the Treasury when they're just going to throw good money after bad, if you will. Now, I don't mind paying the taxes, but if I want to write a check, I want to make sure that it's going someplace that's doing some good. Man, I thought that was very well said. So I really appreciate uh, you know his candor, and once again, what a success story he is. Okay, so that's what makes America so great, right? So, as I said, year after year. Three essential pieces that I believe, this is me, this is Jim White talking. It lost focus and strategic vision, right? Second, it stayed wedded to revenue sources that no longer made our capital needs, uh, our policies, and it just made a market. And this is what happens to a lot of organizations. I work with organizations on a daily basis that they've stayed wedded, 
disconnected and not in tune to what's going on in the marketplace. Yet, they make decisions on ill-informed data. And they believe it, and, 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 they, and they, they, they believe it to be uh, that they're, they're, they're right on top of it, right? Right on top of it. Sorry about that. We had a mistake here. The lines came into the studio, so sorry for that interruption. So, so what are we going to do? What are we going to do? When it comes to the transportation policy, Washington has been, I like this word, automatic pilot for the past half a century. Instead of tackling uh, the hard choices facing the nation's uh, federal transportation policy, still largely adheres to an agenda set by President Eisenhower in 1956. Federal transportation dollars are generally spread thin around the country instead of, and I like this, what I say, target-focused vision, targeting the economically critical points in our national network. That's what I refer to in my language as the vital few or the critical few. Focusing in on those critical areas. Okay? Now, most transportation projects are not subject to the cost-benefit analysis or specific performance measures we've come to expect in other arenas. Now, I know I'm going to get a lot of feedback on that statement as well, but I want to make a point uh, and reinforce uh, what Dan Hemmick said last week. He was uh, sharing a, a brief story about uh, his firm, C.C. Meyer. Uh, there was a uh, disaster, I think it was on Highway 580, uh, truck burned and, and, and contract was let, and they were fortunate enough to receive the contract. Uh, they went in there, and there was a bonus tied to early completion. At a certain day, they went in there and completed the project like in 17 days. And, 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 and I, I know Dan would uh, say this himself, but there's many capable firms similar doing the similar things, right? And uh, but CC uh, Meyer's really, really good at this stuff. Now, the point being, if we can come together under a crisis situation, be able to bring all stakeholders together, agree on the goal, the vision, the accountability, the budget, and the process. In crisis time, why can't we carry that over in normal times? Does it need 16 years from beginning to end? So we got to we got to cut that process down. Okay, so that's that's what I'm talking about here. Being able to focus on the uh, critical uh, critical areas. Now, in essence, Washington has followed such an outdated decision-making process that increasingly drove us further and further away off our course. It just off our course. Now, we are allowed to be uh, driven off the course. Why? Because we believe that we had no voice 
And if you go back and look at the voter turnout over the past, say, 20 years, I think you'll, 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 you'll see my case has been made. So once again, if you have the right to vote, that is casting your uh, vision, your voice on how you want your country to be ran. As a consequence, if you're living in this country and you're working and you get up every day for one reason, that's go to work, doing that, doing that work that you believe is your life's purpose, and being able to be rewarded for that, creating a quality of life for you, for your for your family, uh, and and also for, for your employers, for your stakeholders, employees, and vendors. That's what it's all about. Okay, now. In the last decade, our global economic competitors have led the way in planning and building the transportation networks of the 21st century. Okay? Leading countries around the world have not only started spending more than the United States does today, but they made those financial commitments about public and private dollars. That's another show we got coming up. We talked about the public-private partnerships and how that comes into play, right? So that's uh, that's coming coming up uh, down down the road. Okay. Now, on the basis that the 21st century strategies that will equip them to make commanding strides in economic growth over the next 20 25 years. So, a lot of our countries are around the country making decisions for 20, 25 years down the road. These decisions have put them on a cycle of investment and economic growth. Now, that will in, in, uh, cycle you know, of this growth that will improve their standards of living. What have I been saying? Quality of life, standards of living, those type of things, right, globally. And improve, and improve what? Their citizens' quality of life, right? That's what it's all about, quality of life. Unless we make significant changes in our course and direction, okay? Our foreign competition will pass us by, and a real opportunity to restore America's economic strength will be lost. Yes, and I know my words are very uh, uh, very strong, but I speak from passion. Uh, these things that we're laying out are things that we need to look in the mirror, look straight into our soul, and say we need to deal with these things. And we need to deal with them in such a way that we cut out, cut out the bickering uh, at, at all levels and make sure that we are living in reality. Okay? We're going to get another break, so hang in there, and we come back. We're going to take you down a little memory uh, lane here a little bit, a little history of leadership and innovation, okay? So that when we come back in a minute, 20. This segment is brought to you by TES Asset Management and Consulting Group. Is it time to develop the resources and talent to grow your bottom line? TES Asset Management and Consulting Group 
and J.L. White International, Inc. is comprised of a team of seasoned executives with extensive experience in merchant banking. From its origins in the 18th century, merchant banking has today evolved into an enterprise that not only finances a company's product or services, but also assists in developing a comprehensive business strategy. TES Asset Management and Consulting Group will not only assist you in merchant banking, but provide business development, strategy, execution, succession planning, corporate finance, capital market research, human resources, marketing, branding, public relations, international joint ventures, partnering, M&A due diligence, and transaction negotiation and execution with specialized solutions for construction contractors, OEMs, and dealerships. Learn more today at tesamg.com. That's tesamg.com. Thank you. We're back. This is Jim White coming to you live from Carmel, California on September the 3rd. So thank you. Let's talk a little bit about history of leadership and innovation in the United States. So I think you see the theme here thus far in today's show. Now, the idea, the word idea of building and maintaining a successful economy with infrastructure at the center of federal policy. That's important to repeat. With infrastructure at the center of the federal policy has been with us since the moment we first became Americans. Yep, since day one. Now, it started from the visionary authors of our Constitution, U.S. Constitution. And they were the architects, and I like that when I chose that word, the architects of our uh, prosperity, success, financial success, they designed a, a federal system limited enough, limited enough to protect our liberties as individuals, but that were but expensive enough for a central government that could plan, invest, and build for a more productive economic future that we could enjoy in common by acting together. Now, these were the architects. This was the foundation of the authors and the visionaries of the Constitution. Now, I'm not aware that we replaced that with anything. Yeah, there's been different amendments and et cetera and et cetera. But that's what we were founded on, right? Well, come on. Uh, we got we got to take... Uh, Look at history, um, go back to the Roman Empire. Uh, so, you know, come on, we we got to wake up. we got to get our act together. If we don't, we're going to continue to implode. Now, when our tiny countries, we knew, and it's a start, and, and it was, and a bunch of people said, we've had enough, so we're going to go do this. Uh, we do not like the way, so this is how America was started. Let's go do a better life for our family, right? Now, and when our tiny country emerged from uh, the Revolutionary War, 
Uh, we were deep in debt, right, with no money, no money, no cash, besides the import duties to fund its operation. That's all we had. That was the source of revenue at that time after the Revolutionary War. So our government okay, invested in a system of beacons and buoys and lighthouses on the eastern seaboard and a fleet of ships to uh, intercept smugglers to collect what we were owed, okay? This is how we started getting money after the Revolutionary War. Now, I'm going to tie this together, bear with me. This effort meant our nation could keep itself afloat financially at a time when more than half of the federal budget was being consumed to service our debt. Well, look at the debt ceiling. Look how much money we're paying today, and it's going to get better, $17 trillion. And watch again. Uh, you, know, you, you, you probably know what's coming now. Here we have this super, super committee come together to be able to figure out a way to cut $1.2 trillion over the next 10 years. Come on. Okay? Not going to happen. It's going to be an exercise of futility, and we don't have the time to waste to do this stuff. That's the reason we put elected people in office to make these decisions. Now, what started as crucial to the, our U.S. survival, and this is what we're talking about today, of these 13 million people that's unemployed today, they are looking for survival. It is critical to their survival. So as a young country, after the Revolutionary War, it was critical to our survival. Now, at this most transformative age and moments in the 19th and the 20th century, our greatest, greatest, now people could argue with what I'm going to say here, greatest leaders grasped just how vital it was to build a strong infrastructure to, number one, to protect. Remember we talking about in the early part of the show when I said that in 1956 when President Eisenhower uh, had the vision and went to Congress, his whole thing was in, in mind was uh, national defense primarily. And then to tie the infrastructure, interstate systems, we know it together, okay? But that's primarily where it came from, okay? Now, so our national security and to promote economic growth so that our wealth and well-being could grow, okay? Now, they built they built a transportation network that drove our economic development and established our leadership in innovative engineering, manufacturing, and design. Well, how many manufacturing jobs do we have left in the United States today? How about the innovation? Yeah, we got a lot of innovation. We can sit here uh, doing the show today, and I can look at, at uh, our, our, our switchboard, and I know we have people from all around the world tuning in to this, to our show today, and I want to thank you for that. But innovation, we can talk to the world today with the push of a button, and that's wonderful. So with all of these tools and these innovations, we need to steer those back, and we know that in the United States, as we speak today, we have major corporations sitting on over $3 trillion every 
whose number you want to look at uh, from The Economist, and cash because they have a fear factor, because they don't understand what the, what the uh, vision of the country is going to be, what the job bill is going to be, and what the uh, funding is going to be for infrastructure, so we're somewhat polarized in fear, and so we're sitting on the cash and doing nothing, right? So that takes leadership. And this is the reason you know, I wanted to drill down on this subject, and, and especially this Labor Day weekend, to bring it into perspective and, and kind of put us in a space to know that this is what we need to do. Now, history lesson here, right? In 1808, okay, President Thomas Jefferson, his administration released the Gallatin Plan. Now, now this plan, this is a big deal. And in this plan, in 1808, in this plan, which articulated a 100-year vision for a national transportation system, and at that time, in 1808, proposing a $20 million investment. And in, two, and in today's numbers, that would have been $324 billion, right? In 1808, Thomas and Jefferson did that. Okay, uh, programs, this is what, 1808, the plan, 100-year plan, program to, one, develop canals, roads. Now, this visionary blueprint, and I use the word visionary and leadership, it takes courage to step there and do that. It takes courage. Okay. And this blueprint by government officials and industrialists alike, not they were in concert, laid the groundwork for the construction of the Erie Canal, which I let off and opened at the top of the hour, and the Transcontinental Railway. Now, by improving waterway capacities and, and building canals, they you know they, it created an efficient trade network, right, which helped to expand our economic reach. That's what we did. We started this in 1808. Now, even as our young country was torn apart by the Civil War, okay, another bad time in our history, Abraham Lincoln appreciated, you know, the critical importance of unifying uh, the East and the West or coast to coast. From that's what that's how we started our coast the coast railroad system right now with the leadership of government and private sector financiers even in those days and remember we're talking about the 3p public private partnerships that we need to talk about we do not need to be afraid of these partnerships we need to embrace these partnerships right now america built the world's best railroad system at that time, creating a coast-to-coast network that further unified and, and, and fortified the national economy, right? Now, once again, fast forward. Half a century later, Teddy Roosevelt uh, established the Inland Waterway Commission to develop 
a comprehensive plan for improving America's waterways for commercial traffic. Now, a little sidebar here. I think it's important, and, and I hope you agree with me. If you, if you don't, I, I know I'm going to hear about it. That how we're connecting what we call all these dots, if you will. Sometimes, in order to go forward, we need to take a few steps back. And that's what I'm doing today on this Labor Day weekend on our show, is taking a few steps back, a uh, little history, but with a central theme that we've got to put people to work, got to put people to work, got to put people to work. we got to come out with bold, visionary leadership, not only from the public side, but also from the private side, okay? Now, as I was saying, Teddy Roosevelt, when he came up with his water commission, now, the infrastructure building, uh, which was orchestrated by his cousin, uh, Franklin, brought electricity. That's how that started, electricity to rural America. And an ambitious list of projects, including bridges and tunnels and airports, then employed millions of Americans at the height of the Great Depression, right? We can learn from this. Yeah, there's different lessons, but we can learn from this. And, 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 and we can certainly sit across and have a healthy debate over the right thing, but it's how the debate. It's know that how we started as a country and, 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 and it's see lessons, best practices, if you will, that we can bring from that. Okay? Now, best practices. Now, I'm going to lead into this, which I uh, led out with at the top of the show. Now, so now it's following World War II, right? Dwight Eisenhower, once again, had the vision, and I'm being redundant here, to build the world's best highway system, right? Easing mobility around the country and opening up vast regions of the great economic opportunity is known as America. So, what? In 1956, he convinced, convinced to his leadership, Congress, to finance that vision. That's the whole thing, convince Congress to finance that vision. Much like when President Kennedy in 1960 came out with his special, uh, his, his speech, and that was to put a man on the moon and return him safely to Earth within this decade. Another great vision. Okay? Now, were these men absolutely perfect? No. There is no perfect human being. But what they did was, uh, was standing up boldly with a vision and with the courage, with the persistence and the ability to communicate and to rally. This is what we need today. We need leaders to stand up, come to the podium, look us in the eye, and say, this is my vision. This is where we're going. And look us in the eye, us Americans in the eye, the globe in the eye, without having the eye on the other television set over here watching the polling numbers. Belly up to the bar, make a decision, lead, Okay. Now, when Eisenhower was able to present his case, this combination of 
what I like to refer to as American ingenuity and forward-looking policy, which capitalized the private sector's innovation and private sector investment. Now, this put us on a uh, rising trajectory of infrastructure development starting in 1956. And in good times and bad, and more and in peace, in days of debt and surplus, helped our nation build the strongest and the most successful economic economy, I should say, economy in the world has ever known. That's what this did. But if we're making decisions in the 21st century based on 20th century infrastructure, we're going to fail. We're going to crash and burn. It's over. Now, the legacy of even our smartest decisions, it cannot last forever. And we are now left struggling with a transportation network that has not adjusted to the 21st century realities and cannot meet our economic needs going forward unless we come together as a nation, as our leaders come together and lay out a compelling vision, stop defining, and immediate thing that we can do when we turn next week Let's go in there and let's extend through the Senate, at least get this thing, and let's get a permanent six-year highway funding bill in place, okay? That's what we must do. That's what we must do, okay? Now, in our remaining times, I'm going to leave you with uh, just um, some sobering numbers. We've got about two, uh, about two minutes remaining, Okay. And once again, thank you for tuning in today. Now, the new economic realities in the 21st century is globalization has radically changed the economy as we know it, okay? And the world's trade patterns. We're talking about the being able from your computer and talk to the world by push of a button. Well, while shifting and intensifying the demands we place on our transportation needs, okay? Now, this is really critical, some big numbers here. Trade between the U.S. and other countries increased by 13% uh, a year between uh, 03 and 08. Okay? Economic growth now depends on America's businesses' ability to participate in this growing global trade and move in freight cheaply, easily, and reliable is now more directly related to the overall health of our economy than ever. As much as 60% of American-made products are now exported. And so the success of the manufacturing sector depends on our ability to export what we make here and sell it in the global marketplace. We need efficient infrastructure to do that. Billions of dollars worth of goods move around this country every day by rail, truck, and air, to and from manufacturing plants, packaging centers, warehouses, and distribution facilities, cargo airports, international shipping terminals. The supply chain now spans the globe, right? And a significant contributor to the American economy is the ability to transport goods cheaply, efficiently, and reliably across national corridors and international gateways, right? Now, freight bottlenecks 
and other forms of congestion cost about $200 billion, or about 1.6% of the U.S. GDP a year. Staggering. Staggering, right? Staggering. Just absolutely staggering. Okay? This is how we need to be thinking. Innovation, leadership, uh, making sure that we are, we, the industry, our voices are being heard, and we are uh, uh, talking to our elected officials. Uh, we're opening our mind. Let's go back to this innovation, and let's go back to realizing that infrastructure not only is good for the economy, but it's good for our national security. So I want to thank you, and like I said, we're going to continue to drill down on this subject matter. Uh, like I said, next week, uh, my pleasure to welcome uh, Ted Lewis to the show. And uh, we're going to uh, get some insights and talk more about this, uh, these first 100 minutes of 9-11-2001, and talk about uh, Electrical Grid, his book, uh, Buck's Sandpile. So I'm very excited about that and very excited to have Ted on the show. So this is Jim White saying thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your listening. And uh, you know how to get in touch with us, uh, uh, Jim at jlwhiteinternational.com. And until next week, um, uh, you know, this is uh, uh, Jim White saying thank you so much, and you have a safe and wonderful uh, Labor Day weekend. And for our friends around the world, just have a safe weekend. So thank you very much. Until next week. You've been listening to Jim White's Circle of Success Radio. Please visit our website, jlwhiteinternational.com. Join us next time as Jim White brings it all together on Jim White's Circle of Success Radio.